Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Good evening, Coach Paula. Hello, Mr. Coach Roberts. Welcome back from our trip to Dallas. And why do we go to Dallas? We were at the PTO US Open. We were. And so I think you signed up for the PTO US Open mostly because you wanted to watch the pro races. But while you were there, you were also going to compete in the 100K triathlon. And I was going because you were competing to support you because you know me, I don't sit and watch all the YouTube things that you watch and I don't get as into watching triathlon as I am into, you know, exercising myself or watching you compete. So I was kind of like, well, this is something you'll want to do, so I'll go and be supportive. Take one for the team. Took one for the team. And lo and behold, I actually loved watching the pro races. I mean, I really got into it. I'm glad. I enjoyed it as well, and the press conference was pretty cool. And yeah, it was a really good trip. Thankful that we were able to venture off to Texas and that the drive was safe and uneventful in both directions. And what did you think about Bucky's as we were driving to Texas? Well... I have a gluten allergy. Yes. So if I didn't have a gluten allergy, Bucky's would definitely be a place I would stop because they have like fresh cooked brisket and different types of meat that you can see them cooking and slicing up and putting onto sandwiches. So if I didn't have an allergy, it would be a great grab and go. But I mean, it's also sort of a mall. Like there was a home store and a clothing store and a hunting store. and <laughs> There was a lot going on there. And there must have been 50 gas pumps. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many gas pumps, but it was an enormous gas station. And we arrived there at probably 6.30 or 7 in the morning because you were biting at the bit. To... We had places to be. <laughs> you were biting at the bit to get to the press conferences for the pro race. So I was shocked at how many people were buying sandwiches that early in the morning. That was a happening place. And I really thought about buying Sweet Ellie Ann a Bucky's t-shirt, but I didn't. I mean, when she's older, if she's into stopping at Bucky's, we can get her a Bucky's t-shirt then when she'll appreciate it. I saw a couple young kids at the PTO race, wearing their Bucky's t-shirts. Yeah. Speaking of t-shirts, this morning <laughs> there was a little kid's fun run. And what was the distance of that fun run? Approximately a half mile. <sighs> Approximately a half a mile. So our son Jacob and his wife Shelby took their Ellie our sweet, precious, perfect little grandchild, to the fun run. And she's two and a half and I'm guessing a half mile seems like a long way, seems like a long distance to a two and a half year old. So I think Shelby ended up carrying her most of the way. 
Ellie really had no interest in walking or running, well, Jake, but she was fine being on the course. Well, Jacob said it started out with she wouldn't put on her kid's fun run t-shirt. That's true. <laughs> and then it ended with her falling down as soon as she finally did decide that she would get down and walk on her own. I think she may have fallen down on purpose in protest. I'm not sure. Yeah. From well, my vantage point, that's what I saw. Now my sweet, perfect little baby would not do that. <laughs> she does have her opinions. and yes, she, she can, does. She can be a little bit headstrong, but we just love her to pieces. So today wasn't her day, and I think it was uh, a little frustrating to Shelby. But, hey, the good news is it's Jacob and Shelby's, what, sixth wedding anniversary? They've been married six years today. It's hard to believe. It is hard to believe. So anyway, wow. time flies. I'm, I mean, it's not hard to believe they're still married because they love each other dearly, but it's hard to believe it's been six years. <laughs> hard to believe it's been that long. So, and honestly, I mean, I knew September 24th was their anniversary, but I wasn't even thinking about today being September 24th. You know, when you're retired from your full-time job, the dates become mm. less important. And as um employee of a school district for 27 years, dates were everything. Like, their, the whole school calendar was built around all the dates. So now, when someone asks me what the date is, it's a good thing it's on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> Every day is a Saturday except for Sunday. Yeah. So, back to the PTO. I really think we watched and learned enough where we can break this into three separate podcasts the women's race, and then your race, the age group race, amateur race, is that what you would call that? Age group. Age group race, and then the men's pro race. Well, women's pro, age group, men's pro. I think that's what you said. Yeah, I think I may have just said women's, but I meant pro women's. Anyway, but before we get into that, I wonder if we can just talk a little bit about our training today. Well, tell us about your training today. Okay, so today I'm two weeks out from Chicago, technically two weeks in a day. So I will start my echinacea with golden seal tomorrow, and I'll start drinking my yummy, delicious beetroot juice. Are you starting that tomorrow? tomorrow? Mm -hmm. I didn't know if you were going to start tomorrow or in the final week leading into Chicago. I've been doing it two weeks out. Do you think I should just do it one week out? I think. One week is sufficient. I mean, I'm happy to put it off a week. First, we may, we may need to order some more as well. We're getting low. Oh, yeah. Well, we definitely need to order some if we're getting low. So whoever's making us get low in it probably ought to be ordering it. I can do that. So for some reason, you do the beetroot juice all the time rather than trying to get a little benefit from it for racing. All right. So here's my thought. A beet, I presume, is a vegetable or it's a root it's a root okay and it's purple and then you're supposed to eat a rainbow of colors well, i could buy you some beets and so i have two scoops of beet root powder daily but as i'm coming up to a big race i double it to four. Oh my word i'm getting the extra benefit of the beet root powder because i'm increasing the quantity well we'll just go with that anyway two weeks out Last weekend, while we were in Texas, 
I was three weeks out and supposed to do an 18-mile run with six miles at marathon pace. And I'm just going to be straight up with our audience. I massively failed that workout. All right. Well, hang on just a minute. (laughs) Fail is a little harsh. You Did I run 18 miles? You dealt with the circumstances and did the best you could. Did I run 18 miles? Negative. Did I run six miles at marathon pace? Negative. Negative. So we will talk a little bit about the conditions because I feel like we made the smart decision to cut that run short. So evidently, Texas does not know what asphalt is. That's my impression as well. Lots of concrete. Yes. So what I ended up doing was running on a greenway and... I got a video of an armadillo. Pretty impressive. And I think we probably talked about this in last week's podcast, now that I'm thinking about About it. the armadillo? Maybe. Mm, Yeah. I don't think so. Didn't we record a podcast while in Texas? No. Oh, okay. All right, well, I've told told somebody this story. (laughs) Now, there was an armadillo story from the Phoenix Marathon, but that's a different story. Yeah, you mean you guys were so excited that you saw an armadillo, so we turned around and it wasn't an armadillo, it was a rock. Correct. Yeah. No, this was a living, breathing, moving armadillo. I'm not sure I've ever just seen one out in the wild like that before. It's impressive. And you weren't intimidated at all? I mean, if it started running toward me, I probably would have taken off, but it was a decent I mean, it was at least 10 feet from me and kind of scurrying toward the tree line instead of toward me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if it turned around, started heading my way, I don't know how fast the thing can run, but I would have definitely outrun that little armadillo, surely. I think this would be a good time to take a tangent. Okay. So, talking about the armadillo and not coming towards you, I read a story this week about Vasco Velaza. Oh, wait a minute. From Portugal. Oh, wait a minute. Yes. Is this a tangent or is this a random news nugget? It fits right in with your armadillo story. So it's a random news nugget tangent? It is. Okay. Just want to, you know, clarify that. Vasco Velaza from Portugal was training in Zuma Beach off the coast of Malibu, California, along with some other swimmers, athletes, when a seal swam towards him and stared him in the face. And Vasco tried not to panic, but then a wave pushed the two of them together and the seal bit into his arm, which was in a wetsuit, bit into his wetsuit and latched on, wouldn't let go. So he tried to prise the mouth off with his other hand and scratched up his hand. But eventually another wave hit the two of them and the seal let go and swam away. Fortunately, the wetsuit protected his arm. He just had minor scratches. He was not injured and he was able to compete in the Super League in Malibu. But you know, if a seal grabs a hold of your arm and decides to go underwater, a seal can stay underwater much longer than a human. That's terrifying. Yeah. Now, this person had a wetsuit on, so they had some buoyancy. But, yeah, that could have been a lot worse. Yeah. 
So I'm glad the armadillo didn't chase after you. Yeah, but that reminds me, thinking about drowning, that reminds me of that story I was telling you about the front-loading washing machine and the four-year-old put the two-year-old in it and started it and then went and happened to go get his parents. (laughs) I mean, I'm just thinking that's got to be a fake story. Like, that's terrifying. Hmm. Um, All right, we're... We are, tangent, but we are really digressing. I, I've got to go somewhere else with this. Oh, no. Have you seen the buckets that we have been given at the Evansville Half Marathon in the past? It's a unique race, and instead of a swag bag, they give you a swag bucket. Are you asking if I've seen them? I've actually gotten them. All right. Well, you may not have paid attention to the fine details on the bucket, but there's a little picture... <laughs> Of a little baby looking over the edge of the bucket. And it's basically saying, don't leave your kids unattended around the bucket. Because what if there's some liquid in the bucket and the kid leans over the side and falls in upside down? They're not going to be able to get out. Isn't that a horrifying thing? It is horrifying. Well, I had this thought this week while I was running. I don't know why my mind was going there. But there's not any warning signs like that on the Porta Johns. To there's... not let your kid go in a Porta John? By themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be really gross. I don't, know, I don't know how you'd get one out. Ugh. I don't even know what to say about that. All right. So Ellie loves to take the water hose, and she doesn't call it watering the bushes. She calls it cleaning the bushes. She loves to clean the bushes. She loves to clean the bushes. So we have the cleanest bushes in the United States, I'm positive. But she also loves to put rocks in her buckets and fill it with water. But her buckets are little yeah. beach sand buckets. Or like a sand pail. Like her head wouldn't fit in it. Correct. So that makes me feel a little bit better. So are there any more tangents before we go back to my failed workout? Let's continue with your story. Okay, so I was supposed to run 18 miles. And after 10 miles, I was supposed to do 6 miles at marathon pace. And then cool down for two miles so you know 18 miles kind of a little bit of simulation of my nutrition and then kind of back some mileage down three weeks out from chicago so we did some research and you found a greenway you actually found a couple of greenways and the first one we went to was concrete and very short and very populated and concrete so we ended up going to the other one And it was miles and miles of greenway. But evidently, Texas does not know what asphalt is. And I I think this is why I thought we talked about it already. I think in the team note you said. Yes. Okay. If you're on the RYR Endurance team, we send out an email once a week. And that email kind of lets our athletes know that we've finished planning their upcoming week. And sometimes it has some interesting training tips that apply to the whole team rather than what's customized for the individual athlete. And you had just mentioned that concrete is 10 times harder than asphalt, which seems hard to believe because if you trip and fall and hit your head on asphalt, it's going to really hurt because it's hard. But concrete's 10 times harder (laughs) than that. So anyway, I train 100% on asphalt. Well, 100% might be an exaggeration. Probably 90% when we meet at our health club 
there's a couple of streets that we run on that have concrete sections. But in general, I run on our greenway or our streets that are asphalt. So anyway, I got into the run. It was extremely hot. The real temperature was in the low 90s. This was early in the morning. But there was cloud cover, and it was extremely humid. So I don't know what the dew point was or what the heat index was. There was a little bit of shade, but not enough to make a difference. Right, but there was cloud cover. So I will say there was very uh, limited time where the sun was actually a factor. Other than it was still heating the world. It was still heating Texas. (laughs) So you found a loop that was roughly three miles. I did. And so I thought, well, I'll do that loop six times. Well, I only half paid attention when you were showing me the loop. I didn't realize I had to make a turn. Like I knew I had to make a turn, but I just thought that's where the loop went. Like it was naturally making a turn. But no, the loop went, the path went straight and then had a more than, it was almost a U-turn, which I remember you telling me was a Mm U-turn, but I didn't realize it also went straight at the U-turn. I'll do a better job explaining and quizzing you on the <laughs> route next time. But fortunately, you did not get lost. No, I mean, I knew I knew where I was, and I knew it was supposed to be a three-mile loop. So when I was well over a mile and a half out and had not hit a U-turn, I knew where it was. Like I'm like, oh, well, that's what that turn was back there. <laughs> so I thought, well, since I'm out here, I'm going to go out three miles and then come back and get six miles in. And then I could refill my hydration. So I had my Osmo hydration. And I actually had made, I've gone back to my homemade nutrition again, which is almond butter, maple syrup, and a little bit of protein powder. Mix that up and put it in a a toddler pouch and have my own nutrition. Anyway, Three miles in, I was thinking, oh man, this feels hard. And I was going my easy, like easy pace. And I thought, I need to not focus on pace and focus on effort. And so then I backed off. And then I think I saw you when I was coming back and I was around mile six. So you ran a few miles with me. And during that time, I thought, well, I mean, I was already spent because that concrete, I could feel it wearing on my hips actually is where I felt it the most in my hips and pelvis area and so I thought well I'm gonna not do six consecutive marathon pace miles on this hard concrete because as we've talked about before on this podcast the more intensity you have in your run you exponentially increase the pounding to your frame and must be worse on concrete (laughs) so anyway we picked it up and we did one marathon pace mile. And again, even with it being hot, my cardio felt decent. And we had to stop during that time because I thought I saw a snake. We did have to stop and go back and see if you really did see a snake, which you did. I know. And the thing might have been three inches long. It was tiny. And it was... Let's say your eyes were laser focused on this run. Well, that's all I can see is straight down to the ground. And the armadillo was off to the side. That's true. The armadillo was off to the side. So anyway, the little snake was red and black striped, but it was tiny. It must have been a baby. And it was dead. Yeah, which I didn't know that. 
And since it was so tiny, I didn't think it could eat me. So I had to go back and make sure it was a snake. (laughs) So anyway, I did not stop my watch when we did that. So I had to work myself out of a hole to get back down to marathon pace. So I did that mile marathon pace. and So if you see a snake in Chicago, don't stop. I won't. Or an armadillo. If I see an armadillo in Chicago, I'm definitely stopping. Hmm. (laughs) But not seeing that happening. But anyway, I think by the time... I dropped you back off. We were around mile nine. So I was halfway through this run and I already felt spent. So I did another mile just at easy effort. And I thought, well, I'm supposed to be doing six miles at marathon pace. So I picked up and did another mile at marathon pace. And now it was affecting not only my frame, but also my cardio and I'm sure it had to do with the heat. And anyway, to make a very long story short, which probably too late, I dragged this out. <laughs> at 15.7, I was back at the car. I was almost completely out of three bottles of hydration, which is usually the amount I drink in a full marathon. And you were like, hey, you just need to call it good. Like, you've done enough. And I said, well, I really, mentally, I need to get to 16 miles. And you're looking at me like, I promise you that three-tenths of a mile is not going to make any difference in your fitness. But I was stubborn, and I did that three-tenths. And you're right, it made no difference. Like, it was super slow, and I was super hot. Anyway, at least I cut it to 16 instead of doing the 18, which that's pretty good for me because I'm usually pretty stubborn. Yes, you are. You're normally the letter of the law when you're doing your training plan. I normally am, but I'm telling you. I think if it were just the heat, I would have finished the 18, but the concrete was tearing me up. I was reading an article today. It was from Runner's World. It was a few years ago when it was written, but it was written about the Houston Marathon, which is primarily concrete, again, in Texas. And the article saying that There's no evidence that running on concrete increases your chance of injury. But it was saying that if you do not train on concrete, it will impact your performance. I'm not sure I agree with that. I feel like common sense would say a harder surface is going to cause more injuries than a softer surface. But it was interesting that they pointed to the fact that performance would decrease on that harder surface if you had not trained on it. Yeah. Well, and we have an athlete that's doing a race in Texas. She lives in Florida, but she's doing a race in Texas on January 1st. And she is in a race where I think it's a concrete greenway almost the whole way. So she, where she lives, there's a lot of concrete as well. So at least she's training on concrete. I know she's been doing a lot of speed work on the track, but as far as just her day-to-day running, I'm, anyway, we'll touch base with her again on that just to make sure she's pounding the, p- the pavement. Pounding the concrete. In the form of concrete. So, And I also find it hard to believe that it doesn't increase injury because today I just had a 12-mile run with the three miles at the end of it, the last three miles at marathon pace. And while I was able to do it, the temperature was much better today. My cardio felt great. 
but I could still tell that my uh, hips and pelvis area were beat up from last weekend. Well, it was a big jump going from almost no concrete to 16 miles on concrete. Yeah, it was. Anyway, today's run, we were only on concrete for maybe a total of two and a half miles all said and done, which is a little bit more typical when I drive to town for a run. The other thing this Runner's World article said was it's good to have a cushioning shoe if you're going to be running on concrete. I should have busted out my new vapor flies in Texas. That may have solved the whole problem. They solve a lot of problems. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, today's run went great. Suzanne ran most of it with me. Actually, Suzanne ran all of it with me, except for we, we had a little bit of a miscommunication this morning. I thought she was running from her house because she had two miles more than me today. I thought she was running from her house. So when I got to the sporting goods store where we were starting, I went ahead and just did a quarter mile around the block because I wanted my legs to be warm when she got there so that I could go ahead and hop into pace with her. Well, when I was coming back around the block, here she comes in her car. So she had uh, gone out to start her run, realized her watch was dead, got her charger, and I guess charged it in the car on the way to Legends. So I was a quarter mile ahead of her. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it worked out. Because it all worked out. as I was changing my shoes, she went ahead and got her extra quarter mile in so your new shoes felt okay they did i'm having a little bit this is too much information but i have a little bit of issue with my little toe on my right foot so i have not heard about this uh yeah i just try not to complain i just instead of complaining to you i just tell everybody that listens to our podcast yeah i was trimming my toenails and i don't know i think i cut something besides my toenail on my Mm -hmm. on my little baby toe and it's been bothering me for a few days, so bothered me a little bit on the run today. Oh, no. Got to get that squared away in the next two weeks. Yeah. And your workout included swimming and weight training today? Today, I had the privilege of spectating the 5K that was here in town. We had a couple of athletes participating in that, and everybody did great, I must say. Um, shout out to Heather for getting a personal best in the 5K. But I jogged the course before the race. I wanted to measure it with my watch to see how accurate it was, and I was really impressed. It was probably the most accurate 5K course I can think of in our hometown ever. Well, Heather's watch read 3.12 when um, she finished. And I'm just super excited for her because we have given her some interval training and you know it's all new to her as far as altering your paces and altering your effort and so the training peak software we use kind of helps us calculate where based on her fitness level she ought to be and the training peaks predicted time in the workout we set up for her was just seven seconds different than what she actually executed. And I think she surprised herself today. (laughs) Yeah. She was not real confident that she could go as fast as we thought she could, but she knocked it out of the park. 
She did. And then, as a true athlete does, she's like, I already got, oh, I could have, if I had just, I could have gone under X. So, she's already thinking about... Um, thinking about the next race. What it could have, should have. So, it's always exciting when you not only get a huge personal best, but then think, ha, I can hit that next benchmark. So Hungry for the next one. It's just um, truly exciting. So, after the race that I spectated, that's when me and Jacob and Shelby and Ellie walked the kids run. And then I had to drive around the course and pick up our RYR Go Team signs from the course. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of our athletes actually see them, but maybe they do. I hope they do. Mm -hmm. Anyway, after that, I went in and did my weightlifting routine. So my mileage is not where I would like it to be going into the Chicago Marathon. So instead of trying to escalate my mileage very quickly, I'm supplementing my running with a lot of weight training. Try to prepare my legs for the 26.2 miles of pounding, hopefully on asphalt. (laughs) I believe most of it is asphalt from my memory from a long time ago. Anyway, weightlifting went well. And what I did today was I was alternating between four sets of a particular weight lifting exercise and 500 meters on the rowing machine. So I did four different exercises with four sets of 500 rowing. And then I hopped in the pool and did a little swim workout. Speaking of which, I was faster day in the pool than I was a few weeks ago. And (laughs) And there's a reason for that. I asked you why. There is a reason for that. So when we were in Dallas the night before the race, I got the idea. My boy disappeared for an hour and a half. But before all my big triathlon events, I'd like to be trim so I can be slippery in the water. And I had not done that for this race because... And trim, he's not talking about weight. I'm talking about hair on the arms and legs. <laughs> but I hadn't done that for this one because this one was just for fun. But then I got to thinking, I'm going to be pacing myself on the bike. I'm going to be pacing myself on the run. But I really don't want to hold back on the swim. So I want to be as fast as I can in the water. Turns out I wasn't as fast as I wanted to be, but... It was okay. It was okay. We'll talk more about that when we get to my race. Yeah. So anyway, we've done a ton of small talk and we haven't even gotten yet to what the topic of our podcast is today, which I would just like to, starting with the press conference through the race, talk about the female portion of the pro triathlete organization's U.S. Open race. So let's talk about pro women. So we left Thursday when you got off work, and I think you drove until midnight. Yes, we made it from Kentucky to Texas Thursday night. Yes, and I'm good for about four hours driving, and then I'm just done. And we were in the car what, seven hours? It was a long time. <laughs> we were in the car a long time. And you were doing all the driving, so I should just be a big girl, but I was over it. And I was trying to get comfortable. And anyway, I was super excited when I heard you on the phone. I was being no help. You're like driving and making a reservation at midnight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, we ended up paying about 35 bucks an hour 
for a hotel room <laughs> because so it's, I feel like as soon as my head hit the pillow, you were waking me up saying it's time to go. So you, we had ex- places to be. You were excited to get to Texas. So we're up and we did make a stop at Bucky's. I'm not sure why. <laughs> Everybody's talking about Bucky's. Yeah. We had to see what it was all about. Oh, it's a huge gas station mall. Yeah, we, we talked about that. Yes. We did. So anyway. So then we make it to Irving, Texas, and we're going to go straight to the Omni Hotel, which is where the press conference was going to be. But I had the most difficult time navigating where Google Maps or Apple Maps was telling me the hotel was. I couldn't find it for anything. And I was doing my Bible study stuff, so my head was in a book and I wasn't paying attention. So I finally gave up looking for the host hotel and we went to the Holiday Inn Express where we were staying. At 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it was very early. And to our surprise, they allowed us to check into our room. So that was great because we were able to get the bike out of the back of the truck, get the cooler and everything out, and then we were able to get freshened up and get our bearings and then we were able to find the omni hotel yeah we were driving i said well there's a sign right there because now my head wasn't in a book and you said oh that's a little sign because we've been up and down that road up and down (laughs) back and forth and google maps says it's right there i don't see it well i wasn't looking in the right spot for the sign so there was free two-hour parking right across the street from the hotel we hopped in that, walked over, and to my surprise, there was almost no one in the press conference when we got there. We were about 15, 20 minutes early, but it filled up pretty well, mostly with news people, but there were... There was a large contingent of reporters and camera crews there. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal. It's a big deal. So we'll just talk about the women's press conference Okay. to begin with. So Michael Johnson, who is an Olympian. He is the 400 and 200 meter gold medalist from the 1992 and 1996 Olympics. Yes. So Superstar. He was there on stage. And then right next to him was Taylor Nib. So the athlete in the middle was Jocelyn McCauley. And then the athlete on the other end was Lucy Charles Barclay. So two Americans and... Great Britain. Great Britain, yeah. For some reason, I always want to say she's from Australia, but I know she's from Great Britain. (laughs) So, and then the guy from the pro triathlete organization who was doing the interviews, which I'm not even sure he said his name. I'm sure he did. I don't remember. Yeah. He did a good job. Yeah. So he was just kind of the MC and asking the questions, but it was very interesting because he focused mostly on Lucy and Taylor and they just had so much in common because they were both coming off of an injury, which Lucy's was a stress fracture in her upper femur area. And you can relate to that. I can relate to that. And then Taylor, when she was asked about it, she just basically kind of said, everybody who needs to know what my injury was knows what it is. And then Jocelyn recently had a baby, like within the last couple of years. Maybe her second baby. Yeah. Yep. 
So anyway, it was just interesting to listen to them talk about strategy and talk about their training. And Jocelyn really talked about how the PTO has really promoted and been a leader um, in supporting women and giving them uh, 15 months to recover from pregnancy and childbirth without it being a breach of contract. So it's like a requirement that they have to keep their contracts during that time. So that was pretty cool. And I think they actually get some income mm-hmm. yeah. during that 15 months. Yeah, their contract stays good. Yeah, so it's a pretty important thing for women because triathletes are usually in their 20s and 30s, which is your, you know, also your childbearing years. So anyway... Yeah. So you don't have to make a choice between one or the other. You can do both. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting. And she quoted a statistic that 62% of women who come back after childbirth do better than before they had children. So Yeah. And Michael Johnson said that he had experienced that with the female track athletes that he knew who had taken time off to start a family and then return to the sport that they came back better than before. Yeah. And then I just thought it was interesting too. They kind of all three alluded to the fact that their career, their occupation was their bodies. And so it's just really interesting to think about it in those terms that once their body can no longer handle it, the <laughs> that career is over and they've got to think about what's next. But Anyway, it was very interesting to just kind of listen to the female perspective, and I thought it was pretty funny at the end, the MC, evidently Taylor had been fangirling before the press conference and had asked the MC if she could ask Michael Johnson some questions, and he told her no, but then at the end he said, okay, you can ask one question, and what she asked him, what would you advise to your younger self, and She's like your 22, 24-year-old self. And he said, well, let me go Which back. Which is about her age. Yeah. He said, well, let me go back to 18. He said, I would advise myself. He's like, I loved running and I did all the workouts and I worked hard at running, but I skipped all the strength training and stretching and building that strong base needed to be a great runner. And he said... If he could go back and tell his 18-year-old self that, that he thinks he also would have been in the 1988 Olympics, like the Olympics prior to the first one. Yeah, he he just barely missed going to that one. Mm -hmm. And who knows, he could have had the 200 and 403 consecutive Olympics. Yeah, but I thought that was good advice even for our athletes. Like we really emphasize building that base. And some of our athletes have personal trainers, and if they don't, then we provide just some very basic strength training workouts. and Or some of them just know a lot about strength training and will build it in or have their little videos they like to do. But, yeah, I thought that was great. And then she slipped in a second question, but I don't even remember what that was, but it was funny that she was told she couldn't ask any, allowed to ask one, and then asked two. So <laughs> I thought her personality was interesting. I mean, she... She acted like a kid, mm. whereas Jocelyn and Lucy Charles, maybe a few years older, just relaxed, more mature. But Taylor was kind of giggly and just, anyway, interesting difference in personalities, but all very strong mm-hmm. when they get on the starting line. Yep. So then after the press conference, we went back to the hotel. So we only had two hour parking. So we went back to the hotel 
There was something I needed to get. Oh, I needed my phone. I'd left my phone on the charger, but you had got me a ticket to the next event. Yeah, which was... Uh, uh, Pro tips. Tri-tips. Tri-tips. Which reminds me of a food truck here in town. (laughs) We're digressing again. That no longer has tri-tips because Sam's quit carrying them. But anyway, (laughs) tri-tips is uh, a spinoff of TED Talks. I think it was called Tri Talks because it was supposed to be like TED Talks. Yeah, Tri Talks, not Tri Tips. That's no. that's the food truck. Well, you told me it was Tri Tips. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I went back to the hotel, got our ticket. It took longer than we thought, so we got back, and we we're actually late to this second meeting. Well, some guy says, "Hey, are you going to this Tri Talks or whatever it is?" We said yes, and. He wasn't looking for tickets or anything. He was looking for bodies to put in that room. We went in and I was a little disappointed. Very disappointed. Because, I mean, maybe four or five people were in there. And the PTO had sent an email to all of the athletes saying, Hey, we're going to have this. Michael Johnson is going to be there. You need to get a ticket. It's going to fill up. You got to have a ticket. Well, they didn't even ask for tickets when we got there. And there may have been... I don't know, maybe 20 people, not including the press there. So disappointing. But do you remember who all was there? It was uh, Ben Canute. Well, we're just talking about females right now. We're just talking about females. So Ashley Gentle was there. Yes. Well, Lucy Charles was interviewed first. And then Ashley Gentle and Ben Canutes were interviewed together. Right. So Lucy Charles, we had already heard from her in the press conference and so she talked about a lot of the same things and I don't know I didn't feel like we gained a whole lot of insight of what her training was like. One thing she did say was that while she took time off to recover she really focused in on how to be a better athlete and in the press conference or in tri talks maybe both she said that she is almost glad that she had the injury because she feels like she learned so much and she will be a better athlete going forward. Yeah. And with Ashley Gentle, she was just pretty unassuming. And do you remember anything specific that she talked about? Again, she was up there at the same time as Ben. So I don't remember anything in particular, but I'm sure they talked about her winning the PTO Canadian Open. Because mm-hmm. that was somewhat of a surprise. Yeah, they talked about that. And then um, she talked a little bit about managing the heat and how that was going to be important as far as this race went. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so the next day was, this was still Friday. <laughs> it all runs together because we were in the car so much. But the next day was actually the pro women's race. And it started at 1140 yeah, because the age group 25K race and the 1,000-meter open water swim race occurred Saturday morning. Yes. So one thing in the press conference Lucy Charles had talked about is that she always comes out of the water well ahead of everyone else, and so she's always that person being chased. So in the pro women's race, we actually did not get to the venue in time to they had already closed off getting down to the swim area. We found a back doorway. We could have gotten there later, but we didn't see the swim. We were there. We just didn't see it. And you pulled it up 
online. And so we knew that Taylor Nib stayed on Lucy Charles' heels the whole time. So they actually got out of the water together. So interesting part about that is it was a two-lap swim, and the ladies had to exit the water, like go up the exit stairs like you were going to T1, but then you run back around to the starting pontoon and jump back in. But watching the replay of the highlights, Lucy jumps in, dives in, and Taylor like almost dives in on top of her. But I mean, it's like you're not getting away from me. I'm I'm jumping in. It, they were they were glued, yeah, feet they to were head right together. Yeah, and then Lucy had opted not to wear her swim skin. So she was just in her tri-suit. So she was out of transition a little bit quicker, maybe 10 or 15 seconds onto the bike. But Taylor Nib very quickly took the lead on the bike. Strong cyclist. So she kept the lead on the bike for the entire, was it 80K? It was. Yeah, the entire 80K of the bike, which was pretty cool. The swim was two laps, so... You know, if we had been down there, we would now see the entire swim, just about. And then the bike course, the 80K, was set up in seven laps. So every 15 to 20 minutes, depending on the speed they were going, we were seeing each athlete. And so we could just see which athletes were taking the lead, which Taylor was getting a significant lead, and Lucy Charles stayed in second. But then there was a pretty good pack of four or five cyclists that were about a minute behind. I know Paula Finley was in that group and Holly Lawrence was in that group. Anyway, so they come in, you know, a couple minutes behind Taylor. And then there wasn't a lot of lead changes. Like Taylor stayed in the lead for the run was five laps. And we were sitting right on the run course like we could have reached out and touched the athletes. We had a nice spot in the shade, along with a lot of other spectators. And yeah, it was nice to be able to to see the athletes come by and cheer for them. And some of the athletes, we didn't know their names, but we learned them from uh, watching the leaderboard. And other spectators. From other spectators. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was pretty neat. I mean, it's just nice. uh, I mean, you think about if you're watching a pro football game, it would be like being on the sidelines with them really like you're that close. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a pretty big, pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. So, um, so back to the bike. I remember where we were sitting in the shade watching the bike. We would get up and watch the lead cyclists come through, but then we'd go back and sit in the shade because it was 100 degrees out there. <laughs> yeah, these women were and, out there And I had a race the next day. We had to go sit in the shade. <laughs> but I remember somebody sitting next to us yelled at one of the lady triathletes as she was pedaling by like go grace and this pro athlete doing her thing on the bike looks over to the side to see who's yelling at her i didn't know who grace was but anyway that's how close we were and that's how well evidently it was her boyfriend was sitting there too this athlete's boyfriend. Oh, i didn't know that boyfriend yeah you gotta listen to these conversations with people mm. around you <laughs> uh, and a shout out to our new friend mike Mike with the Fort Worth Tri Club (laughs) that we met while we were in the shade watching the ladies' professional bike. 
Yeah. And then we saw him the next day, but we'll talk about that on the next yeah. podcast. Next when... podcast. Yeah. So, is there anything else you want to talk about with the bike? There was a 20-meter draft rule, and Lucy Charles just had a challenging day on the bike. She ended up dropping two bottles, which I don't know if this was a new setup for her or not, but she had a bottle cage behind her saddle. And she couldn't get her bottle in it. And the bottle cage was set up so that the bottle would be... Tilting backward. Like parallel with the ground. Almost. And, and, and maybe that's the most aerodynamic way for the bottle to be, but she was having a hard time. But even beyond that... Well, she couldn't get the bottle in it. And then when she did get the bottle in it, every time she hit a bump, it'd fly out. So she lost. She lost two. So she had almost no hydration. Yes, exactly. And yeah. And then she had... Some kind of an issue with her electronic shifting on the bike. I've heard different stories. I heard one story that her cable came unplugged so she couldn't change gears. And I heard another story that her battery died and she had to have her battery replaced. But I know on on my Cervelo, it's a big deal to replace the battery. You got to take the wheel off. You got to have an Allen wrench. But yeah, I, don't I don't know what happened. happened. I think the cable slipped out because she stopped and fixed it herself quickly and yeah. went on. But just, uh, you never know what's going to happen in a triathlon. Yeah, so she had, I mean, she still came off the bike in second. And I don't remember how far behind Taylor she was at that point. It was a couple, minute and a half, two minutes. Yeah. And then the next group was another minute or so behind Lucy Charles Barclay. So they come out on the run. Taylor Nib has a solid lead. And she's flying. Yeah, and she's flying. And she has a solid lead. But on the third lap, that's when we really noticed Ashley Gentle. Like her pace. Like she was just flying. So she came in off the bike like 6 minutes 45 seconds behind Taylor. A long way back, yeah. And by the third lap, I mean she was like two minutes behind yeah the tv coverage was showing that she was running one minute per mile faster than taylor so the inevitable was coming it seemed like yeah i mean and we noticed it before we saw it on the tv coverage like look at her look at her run you could tell by her her stride and ashley's stride and where she was in relation to the people we saw her with in the previous lap. Another great part about having a lapped course. Mm-hmm. And one thing that helped her as well is on the second lap, she ended up running with another triathlete who's slower on the swim and the bike, but it started her first lap and was a very fast runner. She was a lap down, but mm-hmm. they were able to run together at that mm-hmm. quick clip. And I think that helped her. Definitely. And again, we didn't see this, but you were had the coverage, the live coverage up, and they said, I hope Taylor's walking. <laughs> and she probably walked. Well, she walked through an aid station first, but then a little bit later, she walked for about 30 seconds and then started running again. And at that point, Ashley was only 46 seconds behind her with a lap to go. And so, anyway, Taylor, who swam with Lucy Charles, like had the swim of her life, and then led the 80K on the bike, and then four and a half laps of the run got past 
So she ended up second on the podium because Ashley Gentle got first. And so that's 70 grand instead of 100 grand that she lost there in the last two. I think she got past it with 2.7K remaining. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. It's a lot of money either way. Yeah. And then uh, Lucy Charles kept that third place position. So that was the podium. But it was just really exciting to watch. And I just couldn't believe how much I enjoyed it. And we have actually gone back and watched the highlights on YouTube. And we saw ourselves. Yes, we did. You were easy to pick out in your bright neon yellow Iron Man fan shirt that we had put together for you when you did your first Iron Man. The shirt comes in handy. Yeah. I also enjoyed watching the pro ladies compete. It was just amazing athletes, and the PTO did a great job hosting that event, and we will talk more about it in the next podcast. What's your scripture of the day? I like the scripture I sent the kids this morning. The uh, Bible in the Year app we're going through always has a verse of the day, and it's interesting because it's not using the message version in the Bible app, but the verse of the day was the message version, and which is kind of a paraphrased version, but I really liked what it said. Ephesians 3.20 from the message. God can do far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. If you think about how massive the universe is, and you got the James Webb telescope showing us images that we've never seen before, God created all that. Definitely, he could do more than we could ever imagine. Well, what I think about is, you think about, you know, Ashley Gentle, who won this. You think about how much hard work and preparation went into that 100K, that one 100K race, And as a result, she won $100,000. But how much more sweet the prize is if we uh, accept the free gift of salvation and then you get eternal life. Amen. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.